Who wants, Daddy, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about today's podcast because I have somebody here who's uh, a colleague, a friend, and a coach, uh, a mentor. Shit, he does pretty much freaking everything. Uh, for those of you that are watching, uh, he has a he has a saying up behind. Hey, make that thing flash again, would you? That's so cool. He's got that thing in the back there, and it says, "You know what time it is." And this is something that he greets everybody on on just about every uh, video that he does. It's it's his moniker. It's his mantra. It's 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 his uh, it's his intro. Uh, Mr. Bryce McKinley, Bryce Coach Sharp, and I appreciate you coming in and, and hanging out with me today. Dude, I'm excited, man. We've been uh, we've been friends and and uh, a degree or two separated for a little while, man. And uh, I, I love that uh, we get to hang out and and reengage this way. Oh yeah, this is this I'm is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. Um, your story. Um, oh, by the way, you're you're a veteran. Thank you again for your service. Appreciate you, brother. Really, everything. I'm not. I'm not a veteran. No, no, no. Oh. My business partner Kyle's a veteran. I know. Oh. Okay. Send him my regards and tell him I said thank you for his service. He's that's we we love our veterans. Yeah. They're they're very important to us, um, and we support them to the hilt. Mad respect. I couldn't do it. I didn't do it, but I've got mad respect for my veterans. So thank you all to your serve for your service. I do, and th and thanks for correcting that. I appreciate it. Um, your I was just watching stolen valor videos. Like I know, there you I go. Know. Like I'm not gonna be that guy. <laughs> no, no, I would never. It, it's kind of funny because. Some people have said that, you know, hey, you kind of act like a veteran. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. No, that's, that's to make it real, real clear. I did not have that honor to serve. Um, I, it's one of the, it's one of the few regrets I have in life. And I, and I put that regret aside finally, um, because I, I really did. I, I had thought about joining a naval aviation and never took it. I should have. Um, it is what it is. Your story, on the other hand, um, you come from, uh, you're out of Texas now. Is that where you're originally from? No, I, I actually, I grew up in uh, Northern Illinois. I grew up in Northern Illinois. What part of Northern Illinois? Like Zurich side or, or, or further up? So far north, uh, if you look at a map where Iowa and Illinois meet, the Mississippi roads east and west, they call it the oh, quad yeah. there. Yep. So I was, I was born in Moline. And then when my parents separated, moved into uh, housing projects of Chicago as a young, young 10, 11 years old, somewhere around in there. Into the project south side yeah 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 i know i know that area yeah what's that like dude i mean because you know you, you think about a lot of our entrepreneurs we 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 talk to them about their their early days and you know what they went through and what they experienced what was yours like and i i've looked back at my life on several different occasions bro and like it's it's been almost like a roller coaster that I couldn't see what was coming. You know, the dips, the loops, the side swipes, the, all those things. 
but you never see it coming. You know, a good friend of mine and, and mentor of mine, John C. Maxwell, once uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, in a mastermind that we're a part of together, um, he, he made the comment, life is like a puzzle, but it's not the puzzle you buy at the store where you see the picture and you get to piece it all together. It's like that crappy, like 25 cent bag of puzzle that you get at a yard sale. And- <laughs> You find the corners first and, and you hit some road bumps and you put the outline together. And as you piece it together, it takes a little longer than an average new puzzle off the shelf. You get to look back and see how far you've come. And so growing up in Northern Illinois, you know, as a young child, I grew up in a very like strict cult-like religion. I mean, we thought we were going to hell if we so much as looked at a TV in a department store. You know, it wow. was very, very strict. And then when my parents separated and my mom moved into subsidized housing and government food lines became our life, like we were already poor, but that took poor and like added some, added Multiplied some spam, it, yeah, even, added yeah, spam yeah. on top of it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and well, um, hold on there. What do you got against spam now? I, 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 you know, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing. You've had spam no. musubi before, haven't you? <laughs> yeah i'm giving you a hard time it's just i'm i'm hawaiian and spam is you know that's like yeah (laughs) well in my in my wife being asian they love spam too right and and so i've grown to enjoy and appreciate it however when that's all that you have to eat that and like government cheese which by the way is like the best cheese in the world (laughs) amazingly enough it's really tasty been there been yeah, there, you Been know, there. that big old yeah. box of cheese that looks like Velveeta, but it's real cheese. It's that, real cheese. Stuff. It actually worked. And it was great for grilled cheese, dude. Yeah. Yeah, we did that a lot. Yeah. Anyway. You get sick of it fast, though, when that's all you have to eat, you know? A block that large, that's a little <laughs> bit more than most families need. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, man, it, was, it, it wasn't rough, but it wasn't easy. You know, and, and I seen and felt this like urge and desire to help my parents out and, and earn money. And so, you know, prior to my parents' separation, uh, I did the whole paper route thing that a lot of kids do, you know, or did when we were kids anyways. You know, they don't even have paper routes for kids anymore. Like, it's or crazy. Everything's gone digital. If it, or you go to the newsstands if you're in the big cities. They, they just well, don't and, do it and, any longer. Yeah. And, and even the ones that are still delivered are like done at three or four in the morning, you know, by way of somebody driving through a neighborhood and tossing them, they end up on the sidewalk, not the yard. That's interesting. Um, But yeah, it it wasn't easy, but it wasn't, you know, the, the roughest childhood. I can't say that it was just, it was challenging. And, and so, you know, for me, I, one of the things that I, I try to live by is like the Zig Ziglar quote, right? Like, when obstacles arise, you change your direction to reach your goal. Right. And you don't change your decision to get there. Right. And so that was always something that I always kept on the forefront. I read Zig when I was a little kid and, and he and I became friends in my you know young adult life and before he passed. And so that was always one of the things that I always like shop for like whatever that goal was things are going to come up go around it go under it go over it go through it but don't change the decision to get there and with that in mind man i'll never forget i I was eight years old i had my first paper route got fired because you had to be 10 to have a paper route yeah you had to be 10 (laughs) i know right i was harsh but i convinced the route lady ironically her name was 
Karen and uh, <laughs> against Karens. I'm just saying there's like this this stigma going around right now. Oh my right? gosh, that's hilarious. Karen came over to the house and fired me. And I looked at her, I looked at my parents, I looked at her again. I'm like, obviously my parents trusted that I could do a great job. And you know, I've been doing a great job. Let's put it in my parents' name. And when I turn 10, give me more responsibilities. So that's kind of like the first obstacle that I could really remember that I overcame. And that's when looking back as an adult, I realized I had this natural ability to persuade people to get what I wanted to help them achieve what they wanted. And it became a win-win another Zig Ziglar quote, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get what you want, you have everything yeah, you want in yeah. life. Exactly. And so I started living those, those principles daily. By the time I was 10 years old, they gave me five paper outs. I was making more money than my parents combined. My dad's three part-time jobs and my mom's like little daycare that she was running out of her basement. And um, yeah, I was doing pretty well. And then my parents separated and then the challenges came in different forms. I mean, you when you move into the hood, like you've got two options. You stay in the house so you stay out of trouble or you hang out with the crowd and you get in trouble or you try to avoid it. And, and that was the route that I chose, man. I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, got myself into a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot of trouble. So it was guys, the guys, The guys down on the south side of PD knew you, knew you by name, huh? Yeah. Needless to say, not, yeah. not a proud moment, but definitely did. I'll never forget a couple of Officer Troy Myers and, and Officer uh, Shecker, a female officer. Those two were on my butt, man. Shecker was my, my dare officer in middle school. And then as I became a teenager, she already knew me from being a little brat in her class. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. There's two ways to know police, the good way and the not so good way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're or they a family member. You know? Oh yeah. And if they're family, it just makes it even harder on you because they're just looking at you like, yeah, why are you doing that? Yeah. You know better. Yeah. <laughs> so come forward a little bit. Like you've you have a, a very successful academy that you're still building on even more and doing more with. Um I have the privilege of hearing about some of the projects that you're working on. And I, I look at it and I'm just like, yeah, he's just, he's freight train running already. I mean, I, I'm happy for you. Uh, obviously, you ought to be proud of yourself for what you've built, what you and Kyle built, um, because it's, it's growing and it's continuing to grow. How did you get to that point of thinking about like, you know, where'd you start? How'd you start in real estate? What, 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 got, what got you the bug? Yeah, so, I mean... There, there was this crazy, like, series of unfortunate events that got me here, you know? So um, you, you Jim Carrey took for a bit, I see. A little bit, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I mean, at 17, I was facing two counts of murder. I was facing oh. trafficking and conspiracy charges. You Oof. know, I shouldn't be sitting here today. And, Michael, I'll tell you, when that gavel came down and, and my cases were dismissed and the judge kicked me out of her courtroom, basically, I'll never forget. My uncle grabbed me by my ear, took me out of the courtroom and said, you're going to come stay with me. And we packed a bag and I moved back to the Quad City area, um, Illinois, Iowa border and started detailing cars at a car dealership. There you go. Fell in love with the automotive industry, man. And... Uh, Begged my uncle for an opportunity. I'm like, if I can sell dope in Chicago, I can sell trucks to farmers in Iowa. That was like the mentality, right? And that's what I did. It was about a year, year and a half later. He's like, dude, if you could sell a car today, I'll put you on the team next week. 
opened a phone book, started dialing, started calling old past customers in their in their ancient ancient CRM that they had that was like Excel spreadsheets and pretty much that's that's what it was back then. Yeah, service order printouts, you know, (laughs) and um, I sold two trucks and an SUV that day. Wow, in one day, in a blizzard, in one day, I was hooked. Yeah, during the during the blizzard time, you sold three. Yeah, it was the middle of December. Nobody showed up to the dealership except my uncle, myself, and the lady that he always gave a ride to that worked in the back office. And the three of us were at this dealership. And a lot of the other sales guys called in because it was snowing like crazy. We were expecting a whole bunch of snow. And and he gave me that ultimatum, and I, I went to work. Uh, police officer, ironically, a police officer and another gentleman came in for an oil change that uh, we had to turn away. But I, I upped them, as they say in the car business, and uh, turned them to an SUV. And so sold three vehicles that day. And I was hooked, man. When you get a nice, you know, I think it was like nine or 10 grand check for the three cars a week later, it's like, holy cow, that was the quickest legit money I've ever made. If I can sell three or four of those a day, you're I'd done. Be rolling it. Oh, yeah, you'd be done. And, and that's what I did. That's what I did. Over the next two, two and a half years, I've become the number one car salesman in the world for Ford Motor Company and ended up getting recruited out of my dealership between the age of 22 and 23. And so my journey into real estate started in automotive sales and, and private consulting. Uh, I was contracted with Ford Motor Company at an early, you know, 23 years old, uh, had a nice hefty six-figure contract renegotiated for seven figures later, and then Nissan, Toyota, and Honda would eventually pick me up, and I traveled the world teaching my seven-step process and five-step processes um, to business and the conversation. I believe there's seven steps to every business and five steps of every conversation, and those two married together only thing left is just management of the micro steps in between. And then you just hire great people and tell them what to do or they let them tell you what to do, right? And so business is good and multiple seven and eight figure contracts. I'm in my mid twenties living the best life, right? Little to no formal education. And um, my wife and I at the time, her mom had been my Sunday school teacher growing up in that uh, strict religious uh, sect that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we knew, had known each other all of our lives. And we had a pretty open relationship. When I mean open, like she had a baby with somebody else, but it was ours. And uh, it was, this was before like Polly was a thing. And, and I don't believe those same beliefs now, but then I, we were open to it. And... Unfortunately, she lost her son, started drinking heavily, and being that I wasn't a great husband because I was just this punk kid with more money than I knew what to do with, I was not there. All I did was work, 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 work. And uh, within two years, Friday, June 13, 2008, she ended up committing suicide. And dude, I was devastated. I'm sure. That had to shut you off for a lot of stuff for a while. That's A lot of things for a lot of stuff. And a lot of drugs and alcohol, man. The next two years, my life would spiral out of control, uh, up my nose and in a bottle, close to $80 million, five companies, like multiple seven and eight figure contracts just flushed right down the drain in in two years. And um, it was in late March of 2010, I found out that I had a baby on the way with some girl that I had been um, having a relationship with. And I sobered up. And by the end of that year, our son was born in November. By December, I had a 
super nice, hefty six-figure contract with Tyco Corporation, doing some consulting, outside private consulting, um, Owens Corning, Pentagon, doing some hostage negotiations. You know, I did some really cool stuff in a short amount of time. And then I found out one day I came home early that uh, my son's mom had never sobered up. Oh, and then, uh, she had OD. There's pills all over the bed. My baby boy is a couple months old. He's on the floor. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Yeah, yeah, totally. What does every good gangster do, right? Like reformed gangster or not, we still got it in us. We got to cover our ass. So that's oh, what yeah. I did. I took some pictures, set my boy back down where I'd seen him, took some pictures, packed a bag, went to a hotel. And then that Monday morning, I ended up filing for custody of my boy. And that would be the fight of my life. The last couple hundred grand that I had went into not only paying for an attorney to fight the case, but I paid for hers too, apparently, because she was stealing money from me. Oh my um, gosh. Man, I ended up broke, homeless, no money, no contracts, no nothing due to the drama. And uh, yeah, man, that's what led me to real estate. It was after a pivotal moment. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say before you before you actually jump into the real estate side of things. So you mentioned a couple of things um, with regards to like leadership uh, within the business. You were hired because you have the seven steps and then the five steps. <clears throat> you said something that I've always advocated, which is, and and we hear this all the time from some of our own mentors. You know, hire people smarter than you, and it actually popped up as an article recently on LinkedIn. You know, what happens when, you know, you're a leader and somebody is smarter than you? What do you do with them? Some leaders find that threatening. It's like, mm, if, you, if you know how to delegate property properly, give credit where credit is due, know how to manage a project, that smart person is going to teach you so that you can be smarter for your clients. And it just makes, it makes life easier delegating things instead of constantly taking things onto your own shoulders. And we know people that had that challenge. Um, I was one of them. I, I was too at one time. I, I, when I was a solopreneur, everything was me. You know, and, and I knew people that could help, but I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to ask for help. I still have challenges with that sometimes. Um, <clears throat> the fact that you recognized that early on as a young man and a consultant before any of the 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 tornadoes and the turmoil and what's going on. That's amazing for one. Um, it's also inspiring because think about it. You were probably in your mid twenties around this time. That's not about right. So for those of you that listen, cause we do have a, a pretty sizable group that listens to us that are in their twenties. You can get it. If you listen and pay attention, you can get exactly what Kyle is dealing with or was dealing with. I'm not talking about the, the, the turmoil and traumas. Those, that's, that's some rough stuff that you went through, brother. Um, I want to take a 30-second break. When we come back, we'll talk about the real estate, and we'll talk about some of the people that have helped. Rice. I love you, bro. I love you, too, man. I just, there's two of you, and I keep getting you two mixed up. It's my fault. It's, I'll, I'll have to switch my brain. But, we'll, we'll, guys, we'll be back in about 30 seconds, and when, when we do, we'll come and talk about how Bryce got into real estate. All right. And we're back here at Java Chat, and I'm feeling older than usual because I keep forgetting that it's Bryce McKinley that I'm talking to and not Kyle Clemmer. I don't know what the hell that's all about, but I have Bryce McKinley here with me. I, I tell you what, dude, uh, next time Bryce comes out here to Vegas every once in a while to, to guest speak and, and share his wisdom and knowledge with other people, um, next time you come out, we'll have to grab cigars and Ryan will 
That'll, that'll emblazon you in this noggin, I promise. We won't have any issues beyond that after that. Just, just don't bring Kyle, because that'll really screw me up. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great partner, so I, I, can, I can appreciate your appreciation. <laughs> I, 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 and, I, and I do appreciate the, yeah, anyway. Um, so we were just talking with Bryce about how he was, how he was moving into um, real estate. Uh, he'd been in, in the automotive industry and had been going through all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and in the midst of all of this, having to learn uh, whatever he could as he was going along, um, we talked to the, he mentioned a couple of things about leadership. We talked on the break about it uh, and, and a little bit before. And then he also talked a little bit on the break about mentorship and some of the things that um, we understand. Sometimes you have to hire people smarter than you in order to be able to help you figure out what the hell you're doing. Um, you know, a couple of couple of mentors that I have, which I mentioned to Kyle before, Marty Strong, um, Dave Meltzer, um, who, who actually is just recently you mentioned that to Bryce, right? I mentioned that to Bryce. I'll I'll, I'll mention it to Dave that that Bryce is. Uh, uh, is now a partner it's a one actually yeah so they they recently partnered up and they're going to be doing a project together which is in my opinion couldn't be more awesome because you got and there's a third uh, gentleman i don't remember who the third one is but i'm i'm sure the quality of person is just as good as the two of you um you get to meet these mentors and people that are there to help you figure out stuff um because over half the time we think we know we really don't. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so you went through all of that. You got to the point where now you have custody of your son. And where does the real estate expose itself to you? How did that, how did that come around? Yeah, I kind of closed that loop. You were talking about hiring mentors before I talk about real estate. You know, uh, twofold. One, love David Meltzer. He's been a friend and a mentor of mine for years. Uh, in a couple of uh, masterminds together, and he and I partnered with Ryan Serhant. He's the million-dollar listing HGTV's Bravo show, sell it like Serhant, best-selling author. So Ryan, myself, and David uh, partnered up. You know, we're writing a book right now together, the three of us. Um, but uh, you know, you mentioned leadership and hiring smart people to tell us what to do. You know. I, I had never experienced having a mentor or role model in my life other than having, you know, my, my higher ranks in the gang life that I was a part of. And when Ford recruited me out of my dealership, they hired a guy named Bill Boat, and I'll forever pay homage to Bill because he was this like 60-year-old man plus, you know, I'm not sure how old he was. He was 60 plus, 60-year-old man with the energy of a teenager. And I remember he told me, he's like, they hired me to tell you what to do and two, to pull out what you have that you're not aware of. And I think that's so valuable and why everyone should have a mentor or three. There's no point in my life since that I haven't had at least three mentors. I've got like five of them right now. And I spend six figures a month on mentorship and, and coaching on my own personal business, spiritual relationships, everything, finances. And um, I, I wouldn't have it any other way because it's helped me grow. It's helped me sharpen, like my hat says, right, and get to where I'm going faster so I don't have to have the same hurdles and mistakes that I would if I did it on my own. But 
I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to share my story and my journey. So that way I can hopefully encourage somebody that's listening. I didn't just like jump into real estate. I didn't just make this pivot from automotive to real estate. I, I, as a fortune 500 business consultant, I found these tools, these seven steps of every business that I teach, these five steps of every communication event, whether it's you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your business partner, you and your clients, whatever it is, these two processes are procedures. And one of the things as a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming that I know after having studied NLP for 20 plus years, and, and my wife is now a master practitioner, we have two scenarios. In most cases, we have procedures and we have options. And if we work within our procedures, we can get things done and understand that inside of these procedures, we have options if we're taught correctly. And right, if we're taught right. a script, for example, if we're taught a sales process or a transactional process, we have these procedures that have to happen, but there's always these variables. There's always these options. And one of the ways that I, I account that to is, is kind of the problem to solve versus the tension to match, right? But like all of us guys, if we've ever been in a relationship with a woman knows that every 28 to 29 days, we better be on our P's and Q's, right? That is not a problem to solve, gentlemen. That is a tension to manage. <laughs> and we have the same thing in business. It's like we have an acquisition person that's missing out like on calls and not making calls. Well, what's the problem? Oh, they need daycare and childcare and they're struggling. Well, if they would just get more deals, they'd have the money to do that. So this is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. Let's spend some time over here so we can make more money over here and offset that, right? So as leaders, we have a responsibility to identify the problem to solve versus the tension to manage. And after getting custody, sole custody of my son, I ended up living on the streets. I was homeless. I was broke. The drama from my son's mother just kept me from advancing in my professional career. I kind of got in my own head, telling the stories in my own, you know, getting in my own way. How am I going to pay for childcare when I've got a, you know, a couple month old baby and I have no roof over my head and all these things like I'm not worthy I'm not good enough I'm not the person I used to be I'll never live up to all these stories in my head and I remember having a conversation September 28 2011 with my brother and uh, he was incarcerated. He'd done uh, about 10 years on a 20 to life sentence at the time. And my brother had never heard a fly. Like he should have never been in prison. He took the rap for something that a family member of his on that side of the family did that he should not have ever been there. Like he was a pastor, never even had a speeding ticket. And this like messed him up, but he stayed so positive during that journey. And we had talked about building a business together and he kept encouraging me. He's like, you're out there, I'm in here. Like you got it made, you're better than I am, right? And he kept encouraging me. And I'll never forget September 28, 2011, literally within an hour of having that conversation and being motivated to start a new thing with him, for him, like that, it went away. 
I wrote a letter to my mom and I wrote a letter to my son and I pulled my car out from underneath of the water tower that my son and I had been sleeping under because it's not very good, healthy or sustainable to take a baby into homeless shelters and they don't let most men in there with babies. It's just, it's the weird rules of shelter life. God. It, so I pulled my car out from behind this water tower into the middle of a street, set the letters on top of my dash and the same 40 cal that sits next to my bed tonight. It hasn't jammed since and it never jammed before, but that night it jammed in my mouth three times. Wow. Yeah. Somebody was definitely watching out for you that day. I mean, that's, that's clearly, I can, I, you, you know, you ever seen that, that meme where it shows the angel doing this number, right? How I picture my, my guardian angel to be. Yeah. Wasn't covering his eyes that day. He was, he was sitting there going, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and, and being a reformed gangster, I think God is kind of like that. I mean, most, <laughs> most. Most believers or Christians like picture God as or Jesus Christ as like this pussy that's just walking around like you're healed, you're healed. I'm like, no, dude, my God is gangster as hell. Yep. Like he stepped in and stopped the trigger, not once, not twice, but three times. And then I got in a fight with him. I'll never forget arguing with him and cussing him out and just being like, bro, show up. And I, I call him bro. Like his name is Jesus, Yahweh, how, whatever, however you want to interpret it. But I call him bro. And I'll never forget hearing the words come out of the baby boy in the back seat, say, Daddy, everything's going to be okay. And that was the night that I kind of I gave my life to Christ. And I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know what it would walk with and talk with and how that relationship would cultivate. But that night, bro, I'll tell you, I got mad. I cussed God out. I told him to F off a few times. I told him to show up a few times. And it was in the next 24 to 48 hours that I would realize that time can be an enemy or an ally. And it be, it, it, what it becomes depends entirely up to you, your goals and your determination and how you use that minute, but also who you leverage and who you associate with and who you depend on. And, and I knew I couldn't depend on myself in that moment because there was something greater than me. So I started looking at that and started searching that out. And now, you know, I hang out with that dude every day. I talk to that dude every day. I'm like, all right, bro, what are we doing today? You know, and I have that conversation. That's my relationship with God. It's different for everybody. But the next 24 hours and the next 48 hours would change my life forever. Literally, I had 32 bucks to my name. It was cash in my pocket, Michael. I woke up the next morning to a phone call from Wells Fargo. They thought I had fraudulent activity on my account. I had to go verify some transactions. I go in and there was an old client had wired me a missed payment on an invoice. I had 20 grand wired to me in my account. Like, Get out of here. What <laughs> like, I've got to salvage this. I don't know when I'm getting my next meal. Yeah, right, right exactly. So what do we do? I, we go to the local taco shop and we get some tacos. Real cheap, real good, right? Yes, We're sir. Yes, sir. So I go get some tacos and I'm talking <laughs> like with my boy. I'm talking with my bro. I'm just like, hey, this is amazing. And literally three hours after getting the deposit and making a withdrawal and getting food, I had an apartment complex call me. 
hey, we found an old application. We're just wondering if you're still looking for a place to live. We've got a couple openings. We're running a special. I'm like, get out of here, right? Like, this is like September, October. So school's already in. So housing starts settled. Like, yeah, it's yeah, settled leasing, leasing options. They're trying to like market their their, yep. their buildings. And, and up their deals and yeah. more money. Yep, that's usually when the so rents go up. No deposit, no first month's rent, one bedroom apartment. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm actually changing where I'm at right now. I'd love to come take a look at it. Talk the lady into letting me move it that day. They hadn't even cleaned the place yet. Um, and then within a week I, I was on the computer at the library, like looking for jobs. Cause now I've got a little cushion. I had a little confidence. I knew that God was going to take care of this thing. And I watched three YouTube videos and I don't even remember who it was, but somebody had said something on these YouTube videos that piqued my interest that you could do real estate with other people's money. All you had to do is talk to people. And I'm like, well, dude, I'm not afraid to ask for it. And I'm not afraid to talk to people. I mean, I've been called by some of the greatest minds in the world. Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, Matt Maddox, Caleb Maddox. Like these guys have all like quoted saying that I've been the top five sales trainers in the world. I can get a job quick. Now my confidence started building. And I looked at these YouTube videos and I'm like, dude, I can do this. I just got to talk to homeowners. So I started making calls, just like back at the dealership. I just started making calls. And wouldn't you know, I contracted, put 23 houses under contract in my first 30 days. No clue what I was doing. I just started writing up contracts. I pulled a contract off of Google that I found and pieced it together with what I thought sounded more legit and better than what I found. And, and uh, yeah, I only closed five of those 23. But those five deals ended up putting a couple hundred grand in my pocket. Oh, sure. I, I, was, I think I think I was a lot hard. of people miss that their the the legitimacy. Obviously, you got to learn how to do it right. But the legitimacy of doing stuff like that. Yeah. It's a it's a run of numbers like anything else in sales. You have to have conversations. Um, I I was I was honored enough to come through your challenge, and then we did a few things, and it was was fun. I have another friend who is a seasoned investor. He doesn't teach. He just, he just makes his investments. He's actually a professional photographer. Nice. Um, in fact, do you remember? I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but when Madonna came out with her blonde hair and she was featured in Time Magazine on the cover, mm -hmm. yeah. that, that was his photo. So, wow. but, but he's a real estate investor. I met him at one of the, uh, one of the seminars and he says, if you're not writing offers, you're not making money. That's it. That's really what it comes down to. And the more offers you write, the more chances you have at me. Now, I think he just sits at home. He gets offers. He puts it on his email list and it, it flips in like 20 minutes or less or something. I think his fastest flip was like five minutes. He literally posted it five minutes later. There was an offer on the table. I was like, I hate you, but I love you. I just want you to know. Um, so you got in. You did your first five. Made yourself some good scratch. You're hooked. What now? Uh, so you fast forward, that was, you know, a little over 10 years ago. And um, man, I, I started doing transactions. I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing on the backside. You know, how do you go find these people that have money that want to buy these houses that I put under contract and all these things. And I found a local company here in Dallas that was hiring for salespeople, went through their onboarding application process. Of course, I got hired, you know, of course. Oh, yeah. 
And I then turned it around and pitched them my consult. Like, I don't want to work for you. I want to work with you. So this is what I'm proposing. Let's do it this way. They didn't like that. They, they weren't too happy. Uh, so I don't recommend that unless you're <laughs> a season closer and you have some leverage. Like I had 23 contracts in hand. Yeah. You know, I had some leverage. Yeah. They were doing 10 a month. I had just done 23. Like <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of hard to deny that there's some there's some quality leverage at that point. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked uh, about a week, week and a half later, they called me. They're like, hey, if you can do this again, we'll talk about it. So I'm like, well, plug me in. I'll use your system, which made it even easier. I contracted oh, yeah. 37 houses. We closed 35 of those houses. Wow. Became a minority partner. Fast forward you know, six years or so, the partnership started kind of falling apart because one got married, the other moved to Mexico to manage some properties that we had down there. And we're all still friends, but things started falling apart about four years ago. And um, I decided to go off on my own. I went to a networking event and started networking and realized like nobody does what we have done or what I can do. So I just started teaching this process. I started doing live streams. I went and got a backwards hat. So that way, you know, I could do live streams and people could have conversations and it would start conversations. And, you know, you fast forward going on four years now, uh, we've coached thousands of people in, through our challenges and helped them succeed. We've helped them not only just start businesses in the real estate space, but also scale them out to five, 10, 20 transactions consistently a month uh, using little to no money of their own and leveraging completely uh, other people's money. And, and so that's our academy. Now um, our, our, my investment company, I partnered with Kyle, our mutual friend, and um, we, we're based here in Dallas. It's a little personal because Kyle and I both have partnerships that we're still friends with these guys, but we're not oh, yeah. partners anymore. So we come back together and we're like, we're going to show them what they left on the table. And now we're going hard. So we've got, uh, so we got five, six, seven, we've got seven acquisitions persons, a whole bunch of VAs and uh, badass lots, marketing. A lot of change. Yeah. It's been I, it's it's been interesting, guys. I, I I had the opportunity of being uh, introduced by another mutual friend of ours, yeah. um, who happens to be my partner in the, in in the, in our agency. Um, and he said you should go see this. And I said okay. This is it, it's it's in real estate. Honest honest to goodness, because I've been to everybody's from Russ Whitney's, all the way out to you know Ron Legrand and everybody else that was doing their thing, including uh, what's his name. Um, Marco Koslowski. Um, yeah. Yeah. I went to his when he first did the, when he first did the luxury deals, I've been through so many of those and I'm like, another one, huh? All right. Let's go see what he's about. Got to tell you, out of all those guys that I've actually been to their seminars, I learned more in your online live training because of your five step than I ever did with any of their stuff. They showed you. They kind of walked you through it, but you had to keep buying stuff in order to get more education from them. You dumped everything on the table. Like you did not hold back. That's one of the things I really, I was like, okay, we have somebody not only knows your shit, he's willing to share it. This will be good, which is why I stuck it out. Um, and then of course we had our conversations and, and became friends uh, after that. There's, 
there's something to be said about people that are unafraid to share their knowledge. Um, it's it's become a, a, a kind of a trend, you know. I'm gonna get the guru's information. I'm just gonna share 100% of it. You know, maybe people will like, yeah, okay, cool. If that's if that's how you want to play, but there was an authenticity to yours that you literally said, look, this is how it works. You want to do this? Put in the damn work. It ain't that hard. While we were going through the challenge, there were people that were complaining. If you remember me, I was like, nope, just got another contract. Yep, yeah. just got another contract. And you're just sitting, I, I, I don't know what was going through your head, but I'm sure everybody else was like, what the fuck is he doing? It's like, I'm listening and I'm executing because he shared the information. Why aren't you guys doing the same thing? I wasn't making half as many calls as you made, but you also showed us how to find stuff. You also showed us how to have the right kind, kind of conversation. These are great things that that really matter. Um, guys, we, we, we're gonna take another short pause and this pause is gonna be a little different because um, we're gonna do this in two parts. There's a lot more stuff that Bryce has to share with us and I wanna make sure that he gets it all out on the table so that we can go ahead and share with you all the good stuff because there's, there's meat in this, I promise you. So we'll, we'll have Bryce come back, um, so keep an eye on it. You're watching on YouTube and you're watching this first part. There's a part two, so make sure you go watch that part as well, all right? We will talk to you guys again soon. Remember, stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live. For now, Coffee with Mike, Bryce McKinley. Ciao for now. You know what time it is. Absolutely. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.